630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Back to McDavid, who earlier tonight scored his 30th. One-timer cleft bomb. Rebound. Score. Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick. And it's unnatural. Riley's going to throw, looks to the left side, throws now over the top. That is complete across the 15 to the 10. Touchdown, Eskimos! Bryant Mitchell! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, players are tuning up for the NHL season. I was at the Perry Pern camp this morning at the KFC Arena. Oilers Mark Letestu, Matthew Benning, Chris Russell all out on the ice. Drake Kajula is going to join them later on this week. Some Oilers prospects on the ice as well. We'll have a conversation with Chris Russell coming up in a few minutes. The Edmonton Eskimos don't play again until one week from today. Actually, a week from now, the game will have been played. That's the Labor Day showdown in Calgary. And what a showdown it'll be. You got the Calgary Stampeders once again having an incredible season. They are 7-1-1. You got the Eskimos checking in at 7-2. Only good for third in the West. Winnipeg is 7-2, and two, but they have the tiebreaker on the Eskimos because they won the only head-to-head meeting up to this point. And the green and gold, oh my goodness, that was a stinky one on Friday night. Getting blasted by the, shall we say, revived Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Is the Chris Jones formula finally working after the debacle that was last season. Uh, that uh, Riders team looked a little bit like, a, a little bit like, I'm not getting carried away, but a little bit like the Eskimos team that Jones coached to the Grey Cup in 2015. Morley and Dave will join me after the 6.30 news. We will give you our Eskimos mid-season report cards, breaking it down by position set. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to Dave Campbell and Brendan Ulrich who filled in for me last week as a uh, took a little bit of time off. That was always fun. It was a staycation and uh, greatly enjoyed doing stuff here in the city of Edmonton and playing a couple rounds of golf as well. Oh, golf season winding down makes me a little sad. Maybe I can build like a par three course in my basement. I guess it would have to be mini golf. Remember that? Uh, remember that episode of Cheers when Norm said he went golfing. And somebody said, how'd you do? Did great. I was three under and I birdied the windmill hole. It's a line I'll always remember. You can always text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063, the email inside sports at 630ched.com, and you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. That is R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Wilkins like Dominique, no relation. So we're going to start off here. Uh, we'll get to my interview with Chris Russell in uh, about five to seven minutes. We're going to start off here with a a serious story, controversial story uh, that is, uh, you know, has hit the CFL today, has specifically hit Hamilton. And they're having one of those years just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. As you probably noticed, the Hamilton Tiger Hats have not won a game. They are 0-8. They have been outscored on the season 310 to 148. Remember, they lost that one game 60 to 1 against the Calgary Stampeders. The Eskimos beat them twice already, both close games, but the Eskimos did get the win. So Kent Austin, who uh, you know removed himself as head coach last week, June Jones takes over as as the head coach. 
Uh, now they've hired a gentleman named Art Bryles. I, I don't know uh, if, if you follow American college football, this name will mean something. If it doesn't, I'll educate you quickly here. Art Bryles was fired last year as the head football coach at Baylor University because of a sexual assault scandal within his program. Now, he's 61 years of age. He's been a coach, uh, you know, over half his life. He was also the head coach at, uh, at the University of Houston. He was with Baylor from 08 to 15, so a long tenure, you know, in that, in that level of football. Um, but what happened last year was, you know, basically, and I'll, I'll, I'm not going to get into every single detail. You can look this up and read about it yourself. But basically, um, it was revealed university officials didn't take action following sexual assault allegations. And there was a report founding that the football program under Bryles uh, mishandled multiple allegations of sexual assault against his players. Um now, Bryles was fired. He initially sued the school, later dropped the, the suit. His most famous player there at Baylor, no doubt Robert Griffin III, who went on to uh, win the Heisman uh, and obviously has been in the NFL. So th- this is, you know, this is one of those situations where you, you got a team that is doing horrible on the field. They got instability. And now they bring in a guy who doesn't have a great reputation. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of allegations here, but there are, you know, are, there are reports that, that Bryles, you know, at worst, we can say, at worst, covered up rape. And that's a pretty serious line to have on your resume, to have on your personal history. And that's a pretty serious decision for a football team to hire that guy in a coaching position. Now, we bring this up knowing that we had a football team, uh, the Eskimos, several years ago, hired Eric Tillman as uh, as general manager, who did have, you know, that situation didn't wind up in any uh, any criminal uh, offense or any criminal record. Uh, but as the story went, he, he as he said it, he was loopy on some uh, some medication, and he inappropriately grabbed his uh, his babysitter. And, you know, that got him in trouble in Saskatchewan. Certainly there are numerous instances of coaches and athletes um, having done something that was flat-out criminal or been involved in, in, in something that would be considered morally wrong, even if they weren't charged for it. Multiple instances of, of usually these men, actually oftentimes I would say men and women, but in this case I'm going to make it gender specific, uh, often these men still getting work. Uh, now there are different, you know, we had it here in Empton, Craig McTavish, as I'm sure you know, during his player playing career was in jail for a year in the United States for vehicular homicide. He came to the Oilers, wound up having a fine career as a player, and obviously he was both coach and general manager uh, of the team later on in his life. You know, I'm sure you're all going to have your own personal reaction to this. And again, you can text 630-630. I I personally believe that people do deserve second chances. I, I don't think we can at least I wouldn't, you just condemn somebody uh, that you take just, you know, a one thing out of their past and say, well, you did this or, or people think you did this, so therefore you will you lose all right to a livelihood or you never get a chance to do anything that you would ever want to do for the rest of your life. Personally, I'm not like that. But in this situation, I, I got some trouble with this because this, you know, as I said, it was at worst, 
he was the leader of a systemic process to cover up rapes that i mean that's that that's the absolute worst case scenario and there's you know if you read about this there's there's evidence that that's pretty much what happened you know at at best there's you know at best it's kind of like well he was involved in something pretty shady where you know he he may have let a lot of testosterone fueled athletic young men kind of act however they wanted around women and and perhaps do some pretty nasty things the way I look at this is the guy is 61 years old. He was in charge of the football program. I mean, if you're the head coach of, a, of an NCAA program, you're basically the CEO of a company. And I, I think in this case, if it were me, the guy has forfeited the right to work in football. And I hate to say this, maybe this is going to sound wrong, but his age, in my mind, is, is a factor in this. If he was a 31-year-old and maybe he was an assistant coach on his team, you could look at this and say, you know what, he might have got pulled into it. Maybe he wasn't the one making the decisions. You know, maybe he he went along with what people who held some power were doing. Maybe he didn't realize the scope of it. Bryles was the coach of this school. And, uh, you know, again, there, there, there is documentation. There was a report that found the football program under Bryles mishandled multiple allegations of sexual assault against the players uh, against some players on his team and 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 that's and that's pretty scary and I don't know even even if you know even if it's a few players a few instances it's one of those things where if that's the sort of allegation you know this isn't shoplifting this isn't a booster gave a kid a pair of sneakers and God knows stuff like that and more happens, especially south of the border and especially in football. This is a really serious offense, and this is a league, obviously, the CFL, that has been preaching diversity, that has had you know players filming PSAs and, and being involved in uh, you know speeches and talks and, and encouraging you know you treat women as equals, you don't speak to, to women uh, in a derogatory way, you certainly don't physically abuse them. I, I certainly think the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going against uh, the spirit of that. And do they really, like, how badly do they need this guy? You know, are they going to run the table and go 10 and 8 be, uh, and finish 10 and 8 because they, they guard Art, Art Bryles? I think not. Another interesting little uh, footnote to this, and I am going to get to the Chris Russell interview uh, right away. I know you want to hear from one of your Oilers. Uh, an anonymous CFL player has uh, published a piece on 3Down Nation, 3downnation.com. I imagine probably a lot of you have checked it out. You can Google it. Um, this this anonymous player says, uh, we recognize that along with playing football, part of the job sees us serve as active ambassadors for the league. So when a couple of weeks ago, the diversity t-shirts were placed in our lockers, it was our responsibility to wear them and in turn show the world the CFL's alleged stand on mutual respect and other core values which were implied under the diversity is strength campaign. Uh, this player goes on to say, for those of you unfamiliar with the Art Bryles case, I can bring you up to speed quickly. Investigations showed he failed to report several cases of rape, including gang rape and sexual assault to the authorities, covering up for his players. 
Uh, the player later writes, clearly this is someone any organization needs to avoid. Oh, and did I mention he has no CFL experience? No, seriously, none. This move makes as much sense from a football perspective as it does from a public image one. And uh, this uh, player ended off his blog by saying, I was fearful that my wearing of the diversity t-shirt made me a cog in a superficial empty campaign. Turns out it took only two weeks for this prop to have that fear validated. Pretty strong words there. You can always text 630-630. A lot ahead inside sports on 630-CHED. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630-CHED. So some texts here about the Tiger Cats hiring Art Bryles. One texter simply says, how does this guy even get across the border? Uh, Brian says, does the CFL really need this guy? I think they should step in and say no. Does he not have a wife or daughters? He should be sued. You can always text 630-630. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Glad to be back. Looking forward to a great second half of the CFL season NHL right around the corner guys are starting to tune up at the Perry Pern camp here in Edmonton and I sat down with Oilers defenseman Chris Russell this morning all right Chris well welcome back and uh, I guess this is a pretty exciting week for non-hockey reasons you're going to be a dad right away yeah I guess that's the plan <laughs> you don't have a lot of say in it at this point no no yeah we're expecting here uh, could come any day so we're just kind of waiting for the call first one yeah, first one. Are you ready, do you think? I don't know if you're ever ready. <laughs> Got to get ready, though. Got to grow up soon. <laughs> uh, you know, how was how your, your summer uh, overall? Do you spend most of it in Alberta, or what do you like to get up to? Yeah, I just went back home to Caroline. Um, I just have a farm there, so did a little stuff there. I train out of Red Deer, so uh, don't get up to too much. Uh, the amount we traveled during the year, I just kind of like being at home, seeing family and friends, and just taking it easy. Are you uh, a sports viewer once your season's over? Did you watch playoffs? Do you watch CFL, Blue Jays, anything like that? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, once I got you know my place, there's a lot to do out there. So I got some lines. So always something to fix and something to do. But, um, you know, I do like sports. So I usually catch it on Sportsnet, but I'm not an avid fan of it. All right. You look back a year ago, it must feel totally different. The, the uncertainty from a year ago contrasted with the commitment that you and the Oilers made to each other this summer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I came in late, obviously. At this time last year, I was still looking for a contract. So, um, you know, I'm excited that they showed some, showed some trust in me. But with that, uh, you know, I got to... My expectations are higher. I want to play better and, uh, you know, do more to help this team. Um, you know, I had a good season on working hard, so I'm looking forward to the start of this year. I think a lot of us are. Um, you know, we kind of got a taste last year, but I think we realized that uh, this year's going to be a lot harder. Um, we're not going to surprise any teams. Well, that's the thing, big thing. I mean, imagine you guys, you, you got this. I mean, you're led by, obviously, two of the young guy, top guys in the league, and you won a lot of games, so you're going to have the bullseye on you a lot of nights, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of went through this a few years ago with Calgary. Sleeper team kind of made the playoffs, and last, the next year we didn't. So um, there's obviously expectations that go with it, but at the same time, it's... Uh, there's no easy matchups now. Teams are coming into your rink and they're playing their best game against you because they know they have to. And I mean, we just got to keep improving, keep uh, getting our level of pace and play up. And I mean, it starts with everyone in our room. We got to make sure that we're prepared to do that. 
How does the defense change without Sekra for likely about half the season, and how do you make up for his absence? Uh, well, obviously, it's, it's too bad you lose a player like that. Um, he brought a lot to our team last year. Um, he's a good two-way player, but they're going to step up, play bigger minutes this year. Um, obviously, um, with all the system, they're going to be guys buying for jobs and buying for minutes. That's the way this league is. It's so competitive now, and camps are so competitive that uh, um, you got to come in and put your best foot forward, regardless of your situation, how many years you've been in this league, because there's always young guys coming up. So um, I'm sure it's going to be competitive. I interviewed Secker last year, and he said, well, if there are no mistakes, the game ends 0-0. So sometimes you got to live with them. But then I asked him about just how calm he is. is. Is he the calmest defense partner you've ever had? He's just so under control all the time. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's definitely he's he's very fun to play with. Um, he does calm the plays down. I think it that's extremely uh, you know rare ability to do. There's there's D men in this league, not a lot that can do that where they can slow the pace down, calm things down, especially. You know, the way teams are and how offensive teams are getting now, there's going to be times where you're going to be hemmed in and there's going to be kind of feel like uh, the pace of play is not on your side and he's a guy that can really slow things down and try and get it to stop. So I thought me and him played well together last year. We read off each other extremely well. We communicated good and we had a good relationship off the ice. I, th I thought that helped. So um, he's definitely a really good player and, uh, you know, obviously we're going to miss him to start with. Having said that, I mean, Gry was back, Clefbaum, Larson, you, uh, Nurse, uh, Benning, obviously. Uh, I mean, how, what does that continuity mean on the back end? Well, I think it showed last year because there were some injuries. Like, I went out for a bit. There's a few guys went out here and there, and, it, you know, our pace of play didn't slow down. There's guys that stepped in and played big, solid minutes. Um, I think we got a deep defense court now. I think we got guys that we can trust. Regardless who you're out there with, you trust, and they're reliable defensive pairs. So um, we obviously got to keep working, keep building that, uh, keep getting better as a you know a unit, defensive unit. But uh, you know, I think all the ingredients are there. We just got to make sure that our work ethic and uh, you know, our attentional details are better. You know, I talked to Matt this summer, and, and he mentioned, you know, you're a bit of a mentor to him, and, you know, the, it's, you're, you're willing to reach out to some of the younger guys on the team. I mean, where does that, where does that come from? Do you sort of enjoy that ro that role now that you're one of the more experienced guys? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was extremely privileged to play in the, on a team when my first year. I had the likes of, you know, Adam Foote, Sergey Fedorov, Mike Pekka. I like guys like that that were extremely good to me. So, um, you know, by no means am I putting myself in their category. But, like, if you can get back and help out a young guy, um, it's rewarding. I mean, it's um, – you look at this year – opportunity potentially I might play start with one of those two or you know you never know who you're gonna play with so um, those Benny's a good player too and he's he's a kid that wants to learn and wants to be a good pro so he's he's easy to talk to and easy to deal with so it's it's been fun with him are you uh, like really technical in your advice is it more just you know a quick uh, word here or there or do you, do you pick your spots when you give it yeah, I think I pick my spots. I try and just situational. I think um, just, you know, with my size, if I had to learn to play the ball, like positionally, um, if I'm not positionally good, I don't have the strength of a lot of guys that I'm going to get beat. So I got to make my structure's got to be really good and I got to make sure that I'm aware. So little things I've picked up on players throughout the years, I, if I can pass on that, maybe it'll help them. Maybe it doesn't sometimes, but. Um, you know, just little things that, you know, throughout the years I've kind of learned and 
kind of put into my game if I can help out with that I tried to Great to chat with Chris Russell this morning, certainly embracing being an oiler. He got that new four-year contract a couple of months ago, and he clearly enjoys mentoring the younger players. And what did he say? He thinks the Oilers have a, uh, have a deep defense core. Man, that's nice to hear, isn't it, after some of the things that went on in previous years. The Eskimos, the mid-season report card with Dave and Morley. When we get back, Inside Sports on Chet. from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Motion starts. Bowman going left side to right side as Riley takes the snap and drops back. Riley, he wants to go deep. He is going deep. He's got a man. And it is complete. And to the end zone. No, just knocked down inside the five is Brandon Zilstra. What a swing in this game. A huge play inside the five to Zilstra. Down by five. Riley takes the snap. Throws. And it's not complete. It's complete to the five. Touchdown, Eskimos. Vidal Hazelton wrestled the football away from the DB. Turns and takes it to the end zone and the Eskimos will take the lead. Motion starts Riley drops back waits throws he's going to the end zone he's got a man open touchdown Eskimos and the Eskimos will take the lead on a touchdown to Chris Getzlaff. Riley drops back on second and ten throws intercepted again and intercepted again is a pick six to the end zone for the second time tonight. The Riders have gone to the end zone. Well, those are some of the highs and lows for the Edmonton Eskimos through the first half of their season. The highs coming through the first seven games, and then a low against Winnipeg, first loss of the year, and then uh, I guess a crater-like low, the blowout loss to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday. But they're 7-2. and two which is only good enough for third in the West. And oddly enough, despite that record, the Eskimos only plus five in the point differential column, uh, 261 to 256. They've outscored their opponents. Six of their seven wins have been by seven points or less. All seven wins by 11 points or less. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So we reached the halfway point of the Eskimos season. They will play Labor Day Monday in Calgary, 11.30 in the morning for the countdown to kickoff, and then the game will start at 1. And despite having a 7-2 record, the Eskimos are going to go into the end of that game as underdogs. They faced a lot of injuries uh, the West is strong. I think people knew Calgary would be strong. Winnipeg is looking good, and Saskatchewan is certainly coming on. So what we're going to do here is uh, do a little evaluation of the Eskimos' first half of the season. The good old mid-season report card. want to welcome Morley Scott to the show, play-by-play voice for the Green and Gold. Hi, Morley. Hi, Reed. How are you tonight? Doing great. And Dave Campbell is the producer of this show and our color commentator on Eskimos broadcast. Hi, Dave. Uh, hello, Reed. Welcome back, buddy. All right. Good to be back. So, guys, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, I think, the division as a whole later on because it is interesting to see which way it's going to go. And I, I can't remember 7-2 and two ever being third place at the halfway point. So that's a story in of itself. But well, let's break it down by position set and we'll give A, B, C, D, or, or, or F for grades. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we're going to start with the D-line. 
which, like a lot of position sets on the team, has has battled injuries, and uh, they just brought in John Chick to play the last game. Dave, I'll start with you. How do you, how do you see the D-line? I have to give it an A overall. They've been uh, really good at pressuring the quarterback. Uh, I, love, I love the quarterback pressure stat. I think that is a much better indicator of how much that D-line is influencing the uh, the opposition quarterback. So they're uh, number one, I believe, in pressure still. Sacks, you know, they're not as, I think they're about third, fourth. Uh, but I think the fact that they're making opposition quarterbacks uncomfortable, um, I think is making all the difference in the world. Now their ability to stop the run, that could be better. But I think overall it has to be an A. I, I agree. I mean, through the first, uh, you know, seven games of the season, let's say, uh, they were the story. The pressure they got, uh, the amount of times they were hurrying the quarterback. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll use the line. I think Matt Dunnigan used it on the TSN uh, pregame show for the Eskimo game on Friday night. He talked about the fact that no defensive line plays better on the other side of the defensive line than the Eskimos do because they're in the backfield constantly. They lead the league in, in tackles for loss, uh, quarterback sacks and pressures. You add it all up, and they're doing their job big time. They. They have been hit with injuries, but probably not as much as some of the other positions. Um, but they have been—they've uh, been hit with injuries for sure. Odell Willis is having a great year. Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how John Chick uh, kind of integrates himself into this lineup as the days and the games go on, because I think he'll be, uh, uh, I think a good D-line got a whole lot better with the addition of John Chick. You know, I'm going to be a little bit picky here, and I'm going to give a B, even though I do think it's been one of the strongest position sets on the team. And, and I, when, a lot of times when I give these grades, guys, it's not just performance, but also how they're performing in relation to their potential. And it, it, again, just to be picky, I think there could be a few more sacks here or there to, mm-hmm. to kill drives, and uh, they certainly could have used those over the last couple of weeks because they, you know the secondary wasn't stopping a lot of passes from uh, from Kevin Glenn and from Matt Nichols. But the D line's been a good story overall. Uh, you know Willis, I, I you know I guess he, he and Ladler would be the candidates for the top defensive player on the team. But that's probably been not probably that has been an area that uh, with a lot less to worry about for the Eskimos so far. Okay, so uh, we're all pretty positive on the D-line. I'm a little bit of a harder marker. Let's go to the linebackers, and I'll go first here. And you know, <laughs> I'm struggling with this one it, right it, now. Be, well, here's the thing. I, it, it, we know what it could have been, um, but I guess we have to look at, at what it is. And, and I know I just said I also grade by how close they are to their potential. But having said that, it, it's a it's a position set that I think has really hurt the defense, especially over the last couple of games. I know the injuries have mounted. Maybe there's going to be a move here to get somebody like they brought in Chick on the D line to to help the linebacking core. You almost have to grade Ladler separately than the other guys because Ladler's having an A plus season, and then you got a bunch of guys that in most seasons might be a practice roster player or or a backup. So unfortunately, I got to be hard on the linebackers because I don't think they've been helping out enough, and, and I'm going to give that position set a D. Uh, you know what? I'm, I like the idea of breaking it up into two. Uh, Kenny Ladder gets an A, leads the team in defensive plays. Uh, he has been kind of fun to watch develop over from where he was at the start of last year to where he is now learning the game and playing the game uh, in Canada. Uh, I think he's been terrific this year. He makes a lot of key tackles. I give him an A, and the rest of the, the linebackers, I give an I. 
for injured, right? <laughs> because that's the only way you can, you know, it's 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 the only way you can look at. It. I mean, they're on their third middle linebacker. They want their fourth or fifth will linebacker, uh, depending on if you want to count uh, uh, Corey Greenwood, who never got a chance to play even. Uh, so yeah, they. Uh, I think that they were okay with Corey Jones there. Uh, well, but when he got hurt and he dropped one more down the list, I just think it's. I just think depth caught up to him at the linebacker spot, both in the middle and on the outside at the will spot, more than any other position, and I. Think think that is where uh, the biggest problem on the team is right now defensively is you know and you talked about it, read those those passes you know those 10 to 12 yard passes 7 to 12 yard passes I guess more than anything are, are the ones that that can kill you and they did a, they we saw a lot of that against the riders on Friday night for sure so uh, it's going to get better with Konar coming back if indeed he does come back for Labor Day like we believe the plan is but yeah I uh, it, it, there was a lot of guys playing their position but playing out of position because they probably weren't ready to play as much as they have been yet so yeah i'm uh, it's a failing grade i think across the board but you gotta you gotta give a lot of kudos to to kenny ladder who's having a great season i'm gonna remove kenny ladler from the linebacking core in some ways too because i think he's more of a defensive back role right. but yeah i agree he's an a no doubt about it the rest of them i'll say c because I look at the middle linebacker spot, I think Corey Jones did a really good job in place of J.C. Sheridan. I think it dropped off with Alex Hoffman-Ellis after you know, a game and a half. Uh, but it's the Will linebacker position that's really been the the, the big issue, I think. And uh, injuries, yes, it, it has definitely played a, a huge role in why that position has struggled. Uh, Christoph Malama-Chamanga has been at that role basically since, you know, the second half in Hamilton. And overall, he has really, really struggled. Mm-hmm. He's playing too high up in the lineup, you know, the, the, the hockey term. Um, he shouldn't be playing this year. But he, they have no choice at this point. You know, they got Koshi Mwamba in now who maybe could play that position, but Josh Woodman was a dumpster fire, and he's, you know, he might not be playing at that position on Labor Day, perhaps. So, uh, it, you know, after his performance against the, the Riders. So, in my opinion, it's a, it's a C for the linebacking core. All right, defensive backs. Morley, I'll start with you. Uh, again, uh, they've had some injury issues, but I, I think uh, comparing them to last year at this time, I think they're uh, vastly improved. Uh, I think they've been able to, you know, they didn't give up a 300-yard game until uh, the game against Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think you got to give them at least a strong B. Uh, they've had some guys in and out. I, I think that, you know, Woodman had a tough game. I think he's learning on the job, which is always tough to do. I think uh, Arjun Colhoun, I think, is going to be really good. Uh, he's going to be a, one of those guys who you, a Canadian who you don't mind playing on the corner and can be a, a ratio breaker and a real good player. Uh, they got a lot of good experience. Johnny Adams has been good. I like Johnny Adams. I think he's really added a lot on the corner. Um, you know, they had they struggled in the two corner spots last year, but I think it's pretty solid this year. So uh, Gary Peters uh, is better at half Halfback. He played a lot of corner last year. He's better at halfback, and I think he's another guy like Ladder who's learned the game a little bit more. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't played a lot because of injuries in the one-game suspension, uh, at least uh, for the last month or so. But I think I think they're pretty. I think they're pretty good at that spot. I'm going to be interested to see uh, first how long Brandon uh, Peter uh, uh, Thompson's out for, and how well he comes back, and then where's the Forest Hightower fit in? Yeah, uh, he's good a pretty point. good player. Um, got to got to knock the rust off on Friday night. We'll see where he goes from here now. I'm going to go B. 
DBs for you, Dave? B. I agree with Morley. Um, and speaking of Hightower, I thought he was one of the uh, few bright spots in the game on Friday. I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to play from the corner position, and I'll throw in a uh, another another player, Mercy Maston, who has been coming up from the practice roster into the active roster. Then you know he's been a yo-yo this year, and he's been able to come in very late in the week as well. Colhoun got hurt uh, before uh, Ottawa, or was it Ottawa? Yeah, um, like day three, and he had to be thrust in. And then there was another injury. I think uh, Gary Peters uh, wasn't quite ready to go uh, uh, in a game against the the Tiger Cats, I believe, and Maston played, and I think he's played pretty well. So I think overall I would have to give them a B. Their corner play is better. I think overall they're better. The safety has been, I think, the worst part of that secondary just you know neil king i think his value is a little bit higher now right considering what we've seen out of josh woodman uh but i would have to say overall to be all right i'll give the defensive backs a, a b as well let's uh do 20 seconds each on special teams guys uh, i'll go first you know a couple of block kicks that's that's never good sometimes you make it through a whole season you often make it through a season without giving up yeah. a block kick uh two different kickers I actually think they've both punted, you know, fine. I think the field goal kicking has been fine. White's more accurate than O'Neill. They've had a couple of explosive returns, but not a lot of field shifters. I, I you know, I just look at average special teams. It's a, just kind of a C for me. Yeah, I'm I'm in that same boat. Uh, maybe maybe bump it up a little bit. Maybe a C plus, just because the coverage teams sometimes are pretty good. Uh, I like the, how they get downfield very quickly. Uh, yeah, the kicking game, you know, uh, Hugh O'Neill's a really good punter. I mean, he if he had enough kicks, he'd lead the league in average. Uh, and uh, Sean White's the best field goal kicker uh, percentage-wise in the league, has been for the last couple of years now. Doesn't kick as many as Medlock, but he when he's asked to, he does. That's because his, he plays on a team that scores touchdowns a little bit more often, so they don't need him as much. But, uh, yeah, return game, they just they, they just keep going through guys. The, the, it's been like that for three or four years. They just can't find a guy who will take the ball and run with it. And that's... The biggest concern for me on special teams is that return game. They just got to find a guy. Uh, C for me as well. I think the place kicking games dropped off a bit because of injury. The punt game has gone up a bit. Uh, the cover units are good. Kickoff return has been good, but the one area that's still a concern for me is punt return. All right. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, Reed Wilkins, the Eskimos midseason report card. When we get back, you'll hear about the coaching and the offense here on Inside Sports. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Eskimos. That's a fine. That's a fine. <laughs> Morley's phone just went off, everybody. I don't know if you could hear that. John Tortorella. Yeah, I, I apologize. John Tortorella's texting him. <laughs> hey, what do you think would happen? <laughs> anyway, uh, the Eskimos next game. Now, when are they back at practice? First of all, not till Thursday. Thursday. Meetings. They'll be working out. Meetings on Wednesday. They're already. I, I, even today, I saw videos. Guys posting some pictures. They're working out today. So, uh, they're. They, I think they. They were given four days off. Right. Meetings on Wednesday on the field Thursday, but not, I don't think many guys will be taking four full days. Right. OK. So the game is Monday, the Labor Day Classic Eskimos at Calgary, 1130 a.m. for the countdown to kick off the play by play with these two guys. Morley and Dave will be at one. We're doing our midseason report cards. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text your thoughts, of course, to 630, 630. Let's do quarterback. I don't think this is going to take very long. Despite last game, it is an obvious and giant letter A, 
or Mike Riley? Dave? A plus. More like uh, a plus. I, I, I'll give him an A plus. Just because of the fact he's had to work with so many different receivers, so many different running backs, and so many different guys on the offensive line. I'll give him an A+, plus, and I might give him the letters MLP as well. It'd be nice if that, uh, that kept up. Yeah. It'd be a good showdown on Monday <laughs> yes. between two, uh, two candidates, Mitchell and Riley. Yep. Okay, uh, offensive line. Uh, Dave, I'll throw this one on your court. Uh, boy, probably a, a B. I might put a minus. Um, the injuries hasn't helped this group. They... Cut Tony Washington. Colin Kelly, I think, is working his way into a, you know getting used to that week to week role like he did last year or a couple of years ago in Ottawa. Figueroa has been not as good as he has been last year, but still not bad. Um, I give them a B minus because I haven't been all that impressed with the interior play. That's got to be better, in my opinion, when I'm talking about guard center play. Um, but overall, I think they have been. They've been good, but I'll give them a B and throw a minus in there. Uh, I'm going with a B as well. I uh, I like the fact that uh, they've been able to survive with the injuries. They've mixed and mashed a little bit. They've gone with three Americans uh, for a game. Uh, I think that uh, I think give them a B just for the fact that they've survived. And and Mike Riley's taken some hits, but I mean it's far from the pounding some other quarterbacks are taking around the CFL. Yeah, I'll give him a B as well. And I think that's a good point, Morley, relative to to other teams. Riley's not getting hit as much as uh, as some other guys. So a B for the O line. All right, running back. I'll go first here. Uh, another beat-up position. You've gone from White to Van to Perkins. Now, I know each guy has had a 100-yard rushing game. Having said that, I, I feel there have been some key moments where they needed a running back to chew up some yards or chew up some clock, and it hasn't been consistent enough. I, I know it's, to some extent it goes hand-in-hand hand with the O-line, but I'm, I'm only going to give a C to the running backs. And it's along with the linebacker, it, it worries me a little bit going forward, uh, depending on how long Perkins is there, who I does think he, he does have some breakaway ability. He's got a little bit of trouble, though, trying to mash out yardage between the tackles. So it's a, it's a C for the running backs for me. Dave? Uh, I'll give it overall a B. Um, losing John White was devastating. There's no doubt about that. Um, they haven't been good in the blocking, as good in the blocking area. I think Trayvon Van came in and uh, did a good job. I think when he when he went into the game right after White was hurt in the, late in the first quarter, I thought he struggled. But I think since then he was, you know, I thought he had some key runs uh, in the win against Hamilton in Hamilton. Before that, he had a 100-yard game. Then he got hurt, unfortunately. Um, and then Perkins has come in, and I, I think Perkins has been so-so, but I think it's been good enough that uh, I think I think a B is 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 the grade I would give it. Uh, they're seven and two, so you got it's pretty hard to give anybody a C when they're a seven and two team. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to go a B with with the running back group. Again, it's been they've been, had success with three different guys. So uh, on that factor, the GM gets an A because he keeps bringing guys in that can play. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Perkins a little bit because he doesn't get a chance to really get in a rhythm in games because. Because he comes out a lot for Pascal Lochard, who goes in the backfield so they can get that extra Canadian, uh, extra American receiver out there, right? So uh, he doesn't get a chance to just stay in every game and, and every play and get the feel of the game, get the feel, read the blocking and, you know, get the feel of the football and all that. I think that's probably what has been hard for him to kind of get a handle on a little bit because of that, because he's in and out of the lineup a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I, th- I think they play a part in protection. And again, we talked about Mike Riley's been pretty safe this year. So uh, I'm going B. All right, receivers, Morley, I'll stick with you. Um, A. I got to go A just because, again, they've done it 
with so many different guys. Uh, what is there? F- they've had a 100-yard guy in every game. Uh, they've had five different guys catch for 100 yards. Yeah. Um, they're good downfield. Uh, I, I, I like the way a couple of them, especially Corey Watson, is so good getting downfield and blocking and everything. There's, they're, a good, they're a really good group of receivers. And they're going to get better when you add uh, Darius Bowman back to the mix maybe this week and Vidal Hazelton maybe this week. I, I really feel for the coaching staff that's got to figure out who to take out when you add these guys back into the lineup. So I'm, I, I go away with the receiving core. I, I would have said A, but the last two games have not been good. So I think they got knocked down to a B a bit. Uh, no, they, it's a firm B. Okay, um, injuries play into it as well. I think it's been a little chaotic in there. I think that has affected the the uh, the play. Although they've been able to find a way to get production, but um, I think if we see a little bit more cohesion in that group, it gets bumped up to an A. But um, yeah, I think it really bit him in the butt the the injuries last game too. You know, among other things. But uh, yeah, a solid B for me. I got to give the receivers an A. We, I mean, you've had Bowman, Zilstra. Mitchell, Stafford, Williams, even Getzlaff all step up and make big plays when they were when they were asked to do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's been one of the more... Uh, and, and Riley helps with that too, delivering the ball, but the receivers are an A. You can text your thoughts to 630-630. Quick break for the news. Inside Sports on Chet. 630 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.